You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Tim. Hey. Tim, tell me a little bit about yourself. Talk to Robbie. Talk to me. Talk to me. Yeah, so um, there's not a lot of I'm, uh, 23. I'm, uh, you know, I've been, I live up in uh, New York. I've done too much. I recently got involved this last year with, uh, with beekeeping, which is, uh, you know, how I talked with you. I have the uh, beekeeping instagram where mostly i just post all the photos that my family doesn't want to see um <laughs> but, you know they don't like the the bees so much um but uh but yeah i got got really into it uh it became like a really interesting hobby so i'm, I'm you know gotten really involved in it and expanded it a bunch and uh, it's become really fun out of all the things you could have gotten into maybe even bought an etra sketch and just played around on it for a little bit maybe even built a jenga tower you decided to get into bees was amazon having like a sale because that seems to be like the last thing i would get interested in no i honestly everybody asked me like oh you know what made you decide to do that and honestly i have no idea it came out of nowhere um i just you know i was looking at things uh it it sounds stupid but you know around like new year's i was thinking to myself okay like i i gotta do something different i'm you know i'm basically just spending all my time like gaming and not doing anything watching netflix all the time um and i'm like i I gotta do something different uh this was like last year so i'm like all right uh i guess you know we'll go through some different hobbies i tried some different things and, and you know nothing really sounded super appealing uh and uh, I don't know, beekeeping came up and I started to like see like a bunch of photos of bees. Really, this is Facebook's fault, you know, targeting stuff, you know, pop all a bunch of ads of beekeeping. There and, was uh, one dude that just paid like $50 for bee advertisements for his site and then he caught you in his net he was like i got tim and you're just like bees i i can see it i'm gonna have a bee farm and i'm gonna be the bee man and it's honestly you get your own supply of honey which bravo to you i mean i don't know what i would do with my honey smacks if there wasn't honey on them i'm pretty sure it's probably not real honey it's probably something else that causes salmonella like they had a long time ago right yeah, no, it's it's pretty chill. You definitely get a lot of uh, of stuff from it, and it can kind of even become like a, a side business at a point. Uh, I'm not really exactly to that point yet, but uh, but something I'm hoping to get to for sure. What do you? So when was the? I guess the night you really decided to dive into beekeeping. I'm just curious because like that's not a like a is that a, did you think that through like a long task? You couldn't just be spur of the moment. Yeah, for sure. It takes so much preparation. It's it, it's like, honestly, months. Um, so really what happened is I, I just kind of, I was really bored at work one day and I was looking up different things. And uh, I found out there was a local beekeeping guild, which, you know, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> the whole world is all built on like these like cults kind of things, like these fun little groups we can all get into. It's awesome. There's a bee society. Yeah, it's honestly, so it's even literally just in my local area, which isn't huge. And it's still hundreds of beekeepers that are like super experienced and just meet up once a month to, to talk about bees, basically. Um, it, it's kind of insane that it, that type of group exists, honestly. Do you guys um, share like tips and tricks kind of like you have the older bee veterans that would come in and just tell you things about like, hey, like, did you know if you do this, you might have a better production of honey, you might have happier bees? Oh yeah, sure. Um, a lot of beekeeping is really regionally based, like, uh, you know, best practices kind of change when you're like up here this far north, um, versus being down in the south where it's like summer most of the time. Um, so you kind of learn to listen to the local experts, um, and kind of get their feedback as to what works, what doesn't, you know, so up here we, we do things a little different than they would down in like Texas, for instance. And so you definitely do get a lot of local wisdom. And it's always kind of recommended when you're starting out to take a class with your local organization if you have one. And uh, so that's what I ended up doing. 
I uh, got involved with the class and uh, went for a few months. Uh, then COVID happened and I started doing all my beekeeping classes online and didn't get to meet with anyone. And uh, so there was a little bit of a point there where I had already put down my deposit on bees and then COVID started and I realized I wasn't going to have any help with them. Um, and uh, I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're doing this uh, <laughs> just, just alone. And, um, and yeah, I just went for it. I, it definitely took a lot of preparation, getting all the equipment together and the bees themselves and learning how to handle everything. But and it's, it, you know, it's still a work in progress for sure. There's, there's still moments where I go and check on them and, uh, I mean, pretty much every time I get stung a bunch. So, you know, it happens. Would, would you say that you've kind of uncovered like a little bit of secret things that the bees have? Like, for instance, there was like a one of those little ant little displays, you know, you keep the little ants in, it's like a square thing, the little maze they walk through, you have to see their tunneling and stuff. I had one of those in like my kindergarten class and just watching their formations and how they worked in a team kind of was something like a big takeaway that I got. Have you noticed that with the bees at all? Maybe not the teamwork aspect, maybe a structure? No, there's, there's absolutely a teamwork aspect. I think, uh, you know, bees have their own like certain society and everyone is broken into basically a role that they play there's never any bee that's not contributing to the good of the hive and you know they sacrifice themselves individually for the good of everyone um and they're they're constantly working to build it and make it better and um and seeing that as a beekeeper um because you start with only like a couple made up frames of stuff and then they they build out the rest of the hive themselves um, and you can, you get to kind of see that progression from nothing to, you know, this honeycomb and, um, you know, where they're like fostering their young or making honey and different things like that. And that's all stuff that's just coming from them constantly working. Even when you're checking on them, they're, they're running around building stuff out, you know, they're, they're, they're diehard workers, but they're also like 100% dedicated to the good of the group. And I, I think that's definitely a unique perspective to take away. I was wondering, like, would it be possible to maybe build an enclosure? Like, for for instance, like, you're, you're in New York, right? Mm-hmm. So there's not, I mean, are you an open part of it, or is it all just kind of the city? No, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm in a more open part. I'm a little bit more upstate. I was wondering if there was a way, like, you've heard of greenhouses where you have all these things for plants. Is there a way to build, like, maybe a little bit bigger than an average greenhouse, but keep the bees have them kind of free but start creating maybe a test of like wildlife and trying to grow things and seeing how well it does with like an enclosed area of bees to be able to flourish upon it because i feel like there's a movie with jerry seinfeld that fucking taught you bees were important and what happens if we don't have bees but i'm like where's the like because i have this idea with i like to talk about the benefits of covid even though it's been very very severe I like to talk about, I feel like a lot of people have uncovered something about themselves, an inner thing. Um, Before I ask you what yours was, my idea is that with all these buildings, because I think people started noticing, holy shit, this person is way more productive at home than they ever were in the office. We're having all these office buildings that are just empty. You know, people are not able to return or be able to do this. I'm like, why don't we take the funding that we're paying for that building spot, take out the building and start building national parks or start building more scenic things to create a more positive environment. So people can be like, I got all my work done. I'm a week ahead of schedule. I'm going to go take the family out. I'm going to go do this. Maybe we'll see fireflies again. Maybe we'll see fucking life again. Uh, Absolutely. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of trying to increase our natural spaces. Uh, I think, you know, what we've done with the just like environmental scene and the biosphere of the earth has been really damaged quite a bit, but it's not, you know, irreparably. Uh, so like we can go back and we can try and fix it by, you know, increasing our natural space. And like you said, you know, building new natural parks, um, you know, increasing spaces for natural pollinators and, um, you know, animals as well, just to kind of come back. And just like, uh, it's funny you mentioned the fireflies. I was literally, I was out back and I saw a firefly, um, it was probably a month ago now, just like floating around. I'm like, oh my God, I I haven't, uh, like thinking back to it, when I, uh, when I was a kid, we 
used to see those just in in clouds basically they they were all over you could you'd catch them and you know whatever that's probably the first time i've seen one in years and uh and that's really sad a a lot of people don't realize you know how much we've devastated the the biosphere um even just on like an insect level because you don't really think about like insects but just think if you were going like driving in a car like 20 years ago you would have bugs splattered all over your windshield and sure it's great that that doesn't happen now but where did all of them go you know that's a that's a side effect it's always the small things that go first and you got to think of how that increases you know that that has chains of effects like with us losing out certain insects and smaller animals that that devastates the you know the food chain basically it, it literally throws off the whole um habitat all these animals and everything that have this they say they eat mosquitoes well there's not that many mosquitoes anymore um there's all these insects and things that are totally being shifted but it's going by the wayside i believe it's at such a minuscule level that it's now building up to such a big point to where now it's starting to be noticeable because there's just thousands and thousands of insects but one of the most important things in my mind that comes to the loss of what has happened with our climate look up at night what do you see? You don't see stars. You see satellites and you see the moon sometimes. Well, where were all the stars? I remember being seven, eight years old on a camping trip and just looking up at the sky and seeing the whole damn thing lit up like a movie. Now we're only going to remember those types of things. Kids that are being born now are never going to know what those experience. We talk about, what about the polar bears? What about bees? What they're not might not even be around much longer if there's not beekeepers, natural bees that are flying around. I barely see a dragonfly. Absolutely, uh, a lot of people don't really consider bees. It's it's butterflies that are are devastated. You don't see monarchs flying around all the time anymore. Um, you know, and and like you said, dragonflies, even mosquitoes to some extent. These are all natural pollinators that you know, a a huge amount of our food source, like as humans, uh, rely on pollination by insect. Um, You know, even mosquitoes are a natural pollinator that that go a long way into making our food sources. And and, uh, and, and people consider that you talk to somebody about like, oh, all these bugs are disappearing. And, um, you know, they're like, oh, who cares? They're just bugs. And it, it definitely has a huge effect on us. It's the reason why I was so surprised that you were interested in beekeeping was the factor of things like that are seen in the eyes of a lot of people, even myself, as too fucking hard of work. Only because the amount of time and material and really consideration needs to be put into that. And if you're, you know, too busy doing video games, Dragon City, oh my God, takes up so much time on my phone. It's ridiculous. Um, Mm -hmm. That just, they go by the wayside, but really it's an overall humbling experience. What would you say your knowledge has gained from doing beekeeping? Just that I absolutely don't know uh, everything about what I'm doing and I, I can't control everything. The best I can do is try and, you know, look at what I know and go back and do more research and try and improve for next time. You know, every time I come back and check on these, that there's something new there that I'm, I'm learning that I'm taking away from it and that I need to fix for next time. And I think that's been a big takeaway because I've started kind of dealing with it with my own work. You know, normally I'm like a programmer um, in my full-time job. And uh, I've started kind of taking that, that methodology into heart um, with my normal work, just kind of taking away and being like, okay, I'm, I might not be looking at this the right way. I need to go back and learn a little bit more about this and then try and reapply it and test and see what works and improve on that that way. And I think that's definitely been a factor that I've picked up. Have you? All right. So you're gonna have to bear with me. This might be a little bit of a far-fetched idea, but is there a way to be able to assimilate maybe a bee that has lost his there? Cause is it true that bees, when they lose their hive, they lose the queen bee, they kind of kill themselves or they really don't know what to do or they try and find another bee queen, which is like extremely difficult to do. It, it's, it's kind of complicated. There's a lot of like processes around it, but basically, you know, if you're losing the queen, the workers are going to try and replace that. But uh, in most cases, workers can't, um, they're not, they're not like fertile. They can't actually produce a queen from their own stock most of the time. And what will usually happen is they'll swarm, they'll leave the hive if it's a beekeeper and usually they'll die out in the wilderness. So it, it's, it's a v- huge damage. 
Uh, and beekeepers try and kind of get around this by supplying uh, queens that they know of, or sometimes they can uh, integrate uh, stuff from a different hive to kind of build out a new queen from them. And there's a lot of like processes around it. But I mean, when you're talking about lost colonies without a queen, it can be really tough. And, and that's part of why, you know, beekeepers being around helps, but it's not like a permanent solution and it, it can't really fix uh, the issues with other types of bees that aren't like domesticated or other pollinators. I look at like, if we had maybe a colony of bees that had lost their queen, is there a way to be able to assimilate them into a new colony? But I know the distinctions with bees, there is a bit of like, um, I heard from like Joe Rogan, um, he was working on Fear Factor and they had brought in bees and there were mm -hmm. bees that were known to that area and they had to walk away from the set and let these two bees figure it out. They had to let these colonies figure it out. So I'm wondering if you could assimilate maybe a colony that had lost a queen with, you know, maybe like a, like an adoption type thing. Because I'm like looking mm -hmm. at it like, what's a program? Because the government's got so many. Can we get one where it's like a repollination process of bringing back life by finding a way maybe to genetically not I wouldn't say mm -hmm. modify or test on bees but find a way to be able to kind of domesticate it a little bit to the point where we can insert them into a certain area where we're experiencing a lot of damage to the environment such as California fires being able to help reprocess or regrowth back some of this land that is being lost in these terrible incidences yeah, I mean, I mean, there's definitely ways to do that. And, um, you know, without without danger to the hive, I definitely think, you know, as we go on, I think government programs for reintroducing pollination is is definitely going to be a major thing we see out of these next 10 to 20 years, because we are losing natural plants. I mean, even if you, a lot of people don't know this, but um, uh, there are already agricultural sections that totally rely on, um, you know, uh, human provided like pollination services. So basically uh, the almond industry is actually, the way it works, it kind of eliminates a lot of spaces for natural pollination habitat and there isn't enough concentration available. So what will happen is the almond industry actually pays for beekeepers to ship their bees over the winter to California. Um, and they, they literally take thousands of hives and they set them out and they work with the almond growers to put them out there because they can't get natural pollinators to take care of them. Um, because there just isn't that enough volume and they're not effective enough with the almonds. And there's actually quite a few uh, crops that depend on them like that. If you look at the two types of people that would look at a um, machine that's spraying crops, you can look at it like, oh, it's just, it's, you know, growing crops. Or you would look at it like, couldn't that be done in a much cleaner process by using maybe... I know bees aren't controllable. Like you can't just put fucking helmets on them and make them fly through all these things, but you can train. If we can train a dolphin to disarm a bomb in our Navy program, I'm pretty sure we can teach a bee to do it. What it's instinctively supposed to be doing, which is spreading pollen. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, to your point with spraying crops, I, I think pesticides are, a big issue. Not necessarily like there are certain subsets of pesticides that are extremely dangerous to bees and there are like organic compounds that aren't and not just bees like other uh, large pollinators and things like that. Um, butterflies even that it, it wipes them out and that's actually been a big problem here in the U.S. Um, is we specifically use that kind because it's very effective but it's it, it's extremely damaging to the pollinator biosphere. Um, over in Europe they actually uh, banned the use of those that type of pesticide and um and they're seeing some return on that but i mean there's there's so much there there's a just a long road to go for sure would you um consider like when you first started were there any stigmas or types of things you had prejudged about bees that turned out to be false i think uh, definitely how angry or like aggressive they were. I think a lot of people think about that. You know, when you, uh, when a lot of people hear about bees, they hear like, or, or like, oh God, I'm gonna get stung or whatever. But I mean, for the most part, uh, most like bee species aren't aggressive to humans. They don't want to harm humans. Um, and in the case of honeybees, they'll actually, uh, worker bees will actually die when they sting at someone. And they generally prefer to 
uh, not do that, obviously. Um, and uh, so really the only time uh, bees are usually aggressive are when they're defending their hive. And if you're specifically like hurting one of them because they release alarm pheromones and otherwise they, they don't care. They, they won't bother you. They won't. So I can go in right now. I can open up the hive and check it out without any fear of them stinging me, you know, because I know that they're not a threat. And, and, and that's definitely, I think that's a huge changing um, thing because I, it's definitely a misconception I had that they were a little bit more aggressive. And it's a misconception that I deal with a lot nowadays with talking to people. Um, even I, I, I was at a work site a couple of weeks ago and uh, there was like a beetle on my shoulder or something. And uh, somebody uh, was like being like, oh, there's something on your shirt. So I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just a beetle. And like, I put it down on the ground, like I helped it down. And they're like, yeah, dude, I would have been freaking out. Like, like there, yeah. even actually, I had like a wasp on on me the other day while golfing. Same, the same thing. And people always freak out uh, about me, and like with when I find stuff on me, but they they don't want to hurt you, um, which is a huge misconception, I think. Um, so that would definitely be that. I think maybe the idea isn't trying to get bees to be more like us and think more like us to be able to manipulate them to do crops. Maybe the idea is we need to be more like bees. You mentioned something about when a one bee is getting hurt, it releases a pheromone. Imagine if we could harness that and put that into people to the point where if we hurt, if you fucking tweeted something at somebody, you felt the pain from it. That would create a much better world, I feel like. We would be a lot happier. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think there's a lot of lessons we can we can pick up from it, uh, and not just bees, but just I mean, I guess in general, I'm a big like proponent uh, of like picking up as much lessons from like wildlife, I guess in general, like you know animals, um, because they don't have all of the stupid bullshit that they're and everything like that. Yeah, uh, extinct, and they're in most cases their their instinct is to survive. Which if you get if you get to the base of people, that that's all we're really trying to do. I think we can definitely take practices and lessons from them and apply them to our own life. Well, with bees too, like not even a factor of loyalty, but when a bee gets pressured, when a bee, you know, a colony is under threat, they all come together, which seems mm -hmm. like what humans can kind of do in certain situations, but it fades. There's a strict loyalty mm -hmm. with bees where it's like they, they work, they do all this thing to, you know, you know, protect and keep this one queen bee alive that can help repollinate and keep their colony strong and growing. They look to this figure with loyalty and no question, but we're so divided as people where it's like, maybe we need to take a step back from being so comfortable in our lives. Like you shouldn't be afraid when a bee flies through. When a bee, every video, every movie you see, if a bee comes in the picture, the person puts up fists like they're going to beat the shit out of the bee. <laughs> Bee stings yeah. don't hurt me. Wasp stings don't hurt me. I don't know why. I've never felt any stung stings that have ever happened to me. But there is a fear factor when it comes to people, either whether you're allergic or whether it's this giant thing. It's like, just let it be. Surprisingly, insects don't want to mess with you as much as you don't want to mess with them. It's really just like, you know, is it so simple to squash it? Yes. But is, would you feel better if you let it outside? People are like, why would you have that emotion with an insect? It's just an insect. That's the mentality. When you start belittling something even as small as an ant, you really start having this bigger perspective of yourself that is too overinflated for anybody else. And that starts there with that simple example and leads into something completely huge and a big error in our society today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely think um, it, it almost, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if this thinking has come about since I started with bees or, or not, but I almost think of it in, in the reverse sometimes too, of like, you know, people think about it like, oh, it's just an insect, uh, you know, in the case that there's, you know, whatever out there, aliens or whatever, um, they could hypothetically look at, you know, the human race the same way, you know, like, okay well they're just they're just humans you know i i kind of look at it like that you're regardless of whatever else you know everything is just a, a piece of this and we're very small in the in the grand scheme of the universe and everything just like these you know bees or whatever are to us and i think you know it's all connected and we should pretty much treat everybody uh people insects animals 
everything with the same degree of respect and kind of, uh, you know, inherent, you know, worth of life and value. You, uh, you went a completely different way than immediately what I was thinking when you said aliens. I started thinking, imagine if they took the movie Signs and instead of replacing the glasses of water that hurt the alien, it was bees. I'd be like, you'd be so safe. Like everybody else would be screwed because there's no bees in sight. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. I've always, uh, man, I, I gotta tell you, I, I have this whole thing of like, if I could have like a superpower, like, I, and somehow I end up like a beekeeping supervillain or something. I, <laughs> being able to, like, That's a TV show. Being able to like control like a swarm of bees would be like the most terrifying thing ever. I think it would be awesome. Like, you know, <laughs> just imagine like you're just, somebody's running and after them is like, Honestly, I don't think that'd be a yeah, supervillain. I'd, super villain <laughs> that wouldn't be a supervillain I'd fight. I feel like I would have to move to like a different metropolis or something. Right. That Superman's gonna look at that and he's gonna be like, nah, 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 fam. Nah, they they, they know about kryptonite, but let me tell you about beast things. They hurt like a <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I think honestly, right. like um it there should be a giant push in research um in science when not when it comes to maybe making humans more like machines because uh, you notice that shift it's the weirdest thing it's the fact we used to want to build automatrons that would do our life or do anything our chores anything easier and then we just shifted into wanting to make all our day tasks easier by upgrading ourselves like losing what the one thing that brings us this humanity this aspect of us you want to infuse it with something why don't we start genetically modifying or finding ways to being able to understand and get more diverged into research and cultivation i mean we have one earth even though we want to keep going out into outer space i'm like let's try our best to keep it alive because like one of my goals is to try and travel because i don't know how long things are going to be around for us to be able to do that covid shut so much shit down if you were on a cruise ship during covid you were fucked for like two and a half weeks you couldn't go back to shore because they wouldn't let you because of the contamination all flights are kind of now returning back i'm like i don't want to get to an era where we are so locked up inside of our houses we're going to miss out on this thing that is slowly dwindling away and that is in the environment i mean i'm not a environmentalist in any way but I see the point in the perspective of a beauty that is being lost. That's why I was wondering with all these areas that are just being unpopulated, all these homes that are side by side that are homeless. I'm like, I mean, there's nobody living in them. And I'm like, why do we have a homeless population if there's so many model homes that are still just empty? Nobody's living them. They're all side by side. And we keep building more. I literally just the other day drove by my Walmart. And this, there was four acres of nothing but trees that had been there from when, before I was born. When I was a little kid, I used to see them all the time. Um, and now it's finally, they clear cropped it just last week. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is so weird. I would, I would, could never driving off the road see the Walmart. I would have to drive a little bit farther until I got closer to the turn and then I could be able to see it. Now I can see the whole thing from all the way back at the beginning of the road. And I'm like, it really hurts on a level where it's like, shit, what else are we going to keep taking that is, is going to be filled up with some random thing we don't need? Right. Right. I, I definitely think there, there's so much opportunity to kind of recycle space, especially now where we're, we're at a point where, you know, remote working is obviously like acceptable in many, in many jobs, you know, you're seeing this huge push now with, with COVID as to like, the sudden realization that a lot of the workforce has been able to work remotely for a long time. And really the only reason they were in an office or wherever was for, you know, supervisory oversight. And I, I hope, you know, we were talking about kind of good things that come out of COVID. I hope that at the end of this, we, we look at it and say, okay, well, remote work works. Um, we can cut down on our, you know, emissions, our, our use of these spaces. And I think taking that approach, if we enable a lot stronger remote working, I, I hope that some of these spaces that are kind of withdrawn from the city, like you're more like country villages and rundown um, towns and things will be become more populated because people don't have to fall around like Silicon Valley or wherever. 
you know, um, that, that's my hope anyways. And, and I hope that's kind of how we'll come into helping the, the issue of this huge housing uh, inequality. And, and not just housing, but the use of natural spaces, you know, and much resources on developing, um, you know, real estate in these cities and everything. We'll see like the environment be helped by that. Well, I mean, you might not consider yourself an educator, but what, that's what you are. When you were mentioning the beekeeping society, for instance, it's people like you, people like the people that are involved in that society, the ones that are giving tips to, you know, maybe an, a veteran giving tips to you being a novice or you giving tips to a novice that comes later down the road. You're educating people on a new facet of life that we should be taking grasp of, which is the fact of we should be in touch with things like these hobbies, like these again. Why do you need to play another game of Call of Duty or be Master Prestige when you can work on being anything when it comes to it, it, the real world life, enjoying every aspect of it. I remember I got so far into the road of falconry just because you know how badass it would be to have a falcon sounds, on your phone. That sounds super cool, yeah. It takes <laughs> years of training, but I've seen it. People that have started when I thought I should do it, but I was like, years, I'm not doing three years of that before I can get a falcon. Then I see them now that they have falcons and owls. It's been like five years and they're, they're educating. They're showing people this new side of life of wildlife isn't scary. We need to learn to respect it, but also learn to enjoy its beauty of it. And I think that's definitely worth the training for it to be able to do that. But kids I mean, even with programming, you understand the whole factor of simulations. They're everything. That can be your start into the doorway of getting people to experience the realness of it, going to experience a bee farm, going to experience where honey comes from. How many people grab that fucking bear off the shelf, which doesn't even make sense. I'm pretty sure bears don't even like honey. Um, uh, yeah, they, they, they destroy us. It's awful. I don't understand why we use the honey with, with the bears. It, bears are like every beekeeper's worst nightmare. But, but yeah, it's like give credit where credit is due and give it to the bees, man. The bears bee not doing anything. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally get you with the, with the hobbies. I think honestly, I, I think a big problem of it is where we've gotten to with like our society and our culture, where like work is first, and like you know the only reason to be like doing this and you know trying to become educated in anything is to be making a ton of money from it and like you know being successful. And I think you look in like smaller cultures and um, you know other countries where you have something like some other safety net or some ability to where you're. Kind of a little bit more okay if you don't necessarily have a huge high paying job those people i think are are a lot more free to explore their passions and because I, I think that's really only something you can do when you're removed from like the insecurity of just daily life there's there's a large population of people in america that you know uh if they miss a paycheck they'll be they'll be bankrupt um and you can't afford to pursue your passions um, if if that's the type of insecurity that you live with most of the time. I mean, I, I definitely give a lot of credit to people who do rise above that, but it's a lot more difficult coming from that place where, where you have that instability. Would you consider people diving into the world of beekeeping? I mean, do you think that it is it's obviously not for everyone, but do you think that it is definitely an adventure that has grown more of yourself, I would say? Like maybe you've learned a little bit more personal growth from starting it rather to where you might not be at this point now where, you know, if you wouldn't have started it? Absolutely. I feel like I've definitely grown as a person. I think anything you take into your, you know, the, the person you are, you know, grows you. Um, any any avenue you decide to take uh, just does that much more. And I think definitely going down this road has definitely grown me, has kind of shown me, you know, this this value of life. I, I think if you talked to me a couple of years ago, I would have a totally different perspective on a lot of this. But it, it's something about that. It, it's almost kind of like the, being like a warden of, of some life is kind of, it, it, it's it's a very like natural feeling. It's, it's very something that like, I think is very close to like humankind and it's something you kind of have to experience firsthand and grow within. Now you got to explain to me the feeling of pulling out honey from one of these bee things. That had to be a really good feeling, putting that in a jar. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it's crazy. Uh, they, they make a lot. Um, and it, it's kind of unique seeing it kind of like grow up because originally like you basically put these like frames in that have nothing on them and they build out to come from there. So it's kind of weird seeing it go from nothing to like this full stuff. But then you take it out and, uh, and it's just, it's super heavy. Every, every frame is like 10 pounds. And uh, it, it's, it's really unique seeing that created and, you know, being able to kind of experience that end product. I literally, I, so I extracted some honey a couple of weeks ago. And uh, for me, it's my, you know, essentially my first harvest. You don't really take that much the first year. And I held up this jar and I'm like, wow, this is the most expensive jar of honey I've ever held. <laughs> you know it's <laughs> just all this work uh and uh yeah it's just uh but i mean it's not just so much the expense it, it's it's really unique i i held it up uh to the light i can't describe that sensation i i mean i guess it's similar to like you know building something if you've ever built or designed something and seen it come to fruition and are holding it in your hand that's an experience that i don't think anyone can take away from you um and it's it's not unique to like beekeeping it's you know whether if you're a woodworker and you you build something really unique seeing that finished product is amazing and uh for a beekeeper you know going into a strong hive and being able to harvest honey because even the fact that you're able to take it away means that you're doing something right and being able to have that knowledge that okay i did this you know i did this right um and i you know and maintaining a healthy hive that is able to produce this excess honey and uh looking at that finished product as like, wow, this is something that I kind of worked with it. And I, I kind of see it as almost a partnership. You know, I don't see it as like, like me kind of like, oh, these are, you know, like that. I kind of like, I work with them to kind of make the best environment possible to get these types of things out. That's interesting thinking of it as a partnership because both you guys are working together to do something. They couldn't really produce what they have without the area that you've given them to be able to do that. In. Um, obviously, yeah, they're doing a lot of the work, but at the same time, you're also assisting them and being able to be in this comfort environment to be able to produce that. Because you got to think, a bee makes their home, makes their hive in an area that is not threatening, that is not this area where that's going to be problems with right. them trying to do what they have to do to survive. You've given them this comfortable platform. So you should take pride in the fact that you make this sustainable place for these bees to be able to create and live and be able to thrive where some person could take a flip flop and throw it at a honey hive and knock the whole thing down and ruin it. And yes, I was referencing something I did when I was a kid. Sorry. A bee stung okay. me and I took oh, a personal it. vendetta to it and I freaking killed the whole freaking thing i was upset yeah, we've all been there <laughs> don't worry yeah i it's it's definitely it's something it, it i guess maybe the the perspective of it being a partnership comes from just how it is being a beekeeper means like constantly and like, oh and monitoring that and helping give them giving them tools to help facilitate that and preventing um you know any issues that come up and i you know natively like these the bees don't like last that long on their own and so I, it's kind of working together to make their hive the best it can be and a, a small byproduct of that is like the honey or whatever that i'm occasionally able to take or whatever but it's not like that's not the main goal. I think the always the main goal is to facilitate the strongest, most healthiest um, group that you can. What's the maintenance on it? Like, I don't think PetSmart smell, sells like bee food. Oh, uh, they're pretty good at getting in their own food. But um, so, because uh, basically it's just like a, a box that they live in and, uh, and they can leave at any time. And they do, they send out a bunch, uh, pretty much any sunny day um they'll go out and they'll collect from flowers everywhere um bees can uh, honeybees can uh you know generally extract from anywhere around like about three and a half miles all around their hive so it's a huge area um and they go and they, they take pollen and nectar from from everywhere and they go back and they store it and that's what they eat um and i mean sometimes there's not really much blooming like right in the beginning of spring sometimes in the middle of summer and uh, that's the beekeeper's responsibility and you basically just give them um, 
like sugar water to simulate nectar. It's literally just a blend of sugar and water. And it's not the best, um, but it's, it gets them through. Whereas otherwise they would be starting to starve by that point in their natural life cycle. Whereas like beekeepers can keep it so that they are, um, everything's nutritious, they're, they're filled and they, they get to live to see the rest of the year and to be able to, you know, do more. How much hive maintenance do you have to do? Are the beans, uh, bees pretty good at keeping it clean? I, <laughs> clean is a weird term with, with bees because they're, they just put ev stuff everywhere. They coat everything in wax, basically. Um, so, but uh, I, I check on them every two weeks and uh, occasionally when something comes up, I check on them like, you know, once a week or a couple times, whatever, whatever, it, it really depends on the situation. Um, so it's, it's kind of a lot of maintenance, you know, like you're talking a couple hours, a couple of weeks, um, but, uh, and definitely for like bigger beekeepers that have like 60 hives, it's almost a daily routine. Um, so it is, um, and a lot of like expense to try and maintain and everything. Um, I heard a guy once that said, uh, if you want to become a millionaire beekeeper, start as a billionaire. Uh, <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> but what um, what would you consider? I guess the end goal for you to be would you end up wanting to own this giant plantation with like a bee farm, or is this just kind of like a hobby at this point? Kind of other oats to sow. That that's definitely something I'm trying to figure out right now. I would love a career doing this because it's, it's something I really love and it's a passion that I found. Uh, I don't know if that's really ever going to be possible um, to kind of split off from like working normally and just to be keeping full time. I would love to, but uh, I think mostly what I kind of want to work with is trying to help the local agricultural scene. So that's where I'm looking to expand right now is to try and not so much focus on like honey or whatever, but to reintroduce a pollination to like farmlands that aren't really able to get natural pollination. So thus helping the local agricultural scene and also like the bees themselves. Uh, so that's kind of where, where I'm looking in short-term future anyway. I got two roads for you. One road is a lot of work and the other road is still a lot of work, but it's really about education. Which road do you want to hear first? I'll go with education. Okay. So I was thinking the comic book thing, make a fucking bee comic book that's going to educate people about like, you know, he's fighting global warming, but make like like Captain Planet a little bit, but make the global warming monster this badass venom looking creature that's like we need to kill this thing. Don't include Tom Holland. We don't need that. Um get something like this epic bee superhero, super villain. Maybe like, hey, like I'm going to make the bees terror. Fight the freaking wasps. What was the 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 what was the oh my god, what was the thing we just experienced not even like a month ago? Oh, oh the, the killer killer wasp yeah yes that is your villain get him fight yeah. him kill him and then you can educate the masses on getting kids to pick up these comics and read them and eventually lead into this whole thing where they're trying to be more sustainable and caring for the environment or you can take the hard route learn to kind of train and techniques to train your bees it's where you can go on to a farmer's land and then help pollinate their crops without using harsh chemicals and then leading into maybe future people that would end up picking this up or maybe creating a company that would be able to do this to make more sustainable non-gmo foods for us to consume creating healthier and better people yeah, that, that's definitely a goal to try and kind of like improve that and to, you know, limit the use of pesticides. And I always try and advocate like myself for, you know, restrictions on pesticides and be friendly measures, I guess. But um, right now I'm just one person and that doesn't go very far, but I definitely hope to in the future to try and like advocate for that a little bit better and um, kind of grow within that community and fight for, you know, that benefit. I can give you what probably Bill Gates would say as a good motivational quote, which is, it always starts at just that one person. But I want to give you the Robbie quote, okay? Because this is how I live my life and this is how I like to function. You're fucking Tim the B-Man. I'm telling you, that's all the motivation you need. That is like, a, <laughs> if anybody had that motivation right there, being like, you're just do it. You're Tim the B-Man. That is like, yeah. 
be happy, be free, born to be. I don't know how many song and B references I can do. If you got one, <laughs> toss one out. Uh, be kind. I don't know. That's a that's good one. one. That's like something um, you would read on like a bottle of honey that would have a bear on right, it. Exactly. Where you're like, it's also bee bullshit because the honey <laughs> is made by bees, not bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now with the honey, have you sold it or have you tried it yet? I've, I've tried it. I don't have, um, for the first year, you don't generally, uh, get to take anything. Uh, I was fortunate this year that they are, um, they've had a, a pretty good year. So I was able to kind of take out like one tester frame, which basically amounted to like four jars. Um, so it wasn't much, but, uh, but I basically have kept them all for myself. I'm not, I'm planning to sell them out. Um, but, uh, I've tasted it. It's good. It's honey. You know? Is it better than the honey in the store? Because I'm not a fan of honey from the store. I think definitely raw honey definitely tastes better and more full, I guess. Than, and it also, uh, I kind of thought of it as like more subtle sweetness. You know, um, a lot of the reason honey from the store tastes so like kind of over the top sweet is because they have uh, sugar added in uh, and a lot of additives. Uh, added into water down the honey so that they can sum but when you're when you're talking about honey it's it's just that there's nothing else there's no water in that um or not really anyway uh there's nothing being added by the beekeeper to water it down and which is why i always tell people to kind of um you know seek out local beekeepers and buy from them instead of going to the store and buying something off the shelf you know i always try and buy local uh, well i guess i don't buy local honey anymore but uh <laughs> but you know when i did <laughs> it's funny because i want to ask you what the first thing you put the honey on did you just do a spoonful of it because the first thing i would have done is went and bought a plain box of cheerios and fucking did what the bee did in the commercial and tapped the thing and spread it all over the thing and then i would have compared it to the honey nut and see if, what the taste difference is are they really feeding me honey or are they feeding me preservatives i'll have to do that that's something i didn't think of no i, I pretty much just, i just did a spoonful uh to start with and uh you know just to kind of try it out but i'm definitely thinking of something i'm kind of thinking right now if i want to like use most of it or just like seal it up and kind of keep it as keepsakes but uh next year i won't really have that much problem because they'll you know, by this year each hive uh, produces about 120 pounds of honey um on, that's on like, a good year uh, that's like this that's like, a, that's like four toddlers four kids under the age of five stacked up four high yeah it's like 120 of those little jars that you usually because you usually buy it in a pound version or even like 12 ounces which is even lower so it's it's a lot and uh i have two right now i'm planning to at least have four next spring um quite possibly more so that's uh quite a lot of honey to be dealing with wait uh, a, a so. jar of one of those is a pound sometimes i mean uh I think most of the time when you're looking at it, it's about uh, a pound, but you can get them in lower quantities. Um, I've never but, bought honey because I fucking am scared of bears. The Revenant just completely ruined <laughs> me off bears for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if bears are going to come into your house and take your honey, but I mean, I guess it's a good precaution. Dude, you literally could put it in your beard. You could put it in... Your beard? I was gonna say you could put it in your hair, but I meant your beard. You can put it in your beard, all the uh, honey oil. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely make like uh, product. Like some people do. I don't know how to do that, but um, some people you should only harvest during the full moon though, so you can call it a honeymoon and just <laughs> walk out and freaking. That's cool. Yeah, some people do uh, like take it now and call it like the harvest moon because we're going into fall. I think that's pretty sick. I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> I think it just says wild honey, uh, but it's good. Uh, but yeah, next year definitely will be a, a big thing. I have a whole bunch of things in the works for it. Uh, I'm, I have a friend that makes wine and uh, we're looking to make some mead with it. He's never made mead. It's just an interesting thing we need to try. Uh, he's like, yeah, I mean, how much money or how much honey can you give me? I'm like, yeah, I can give you like a 60 pound bucket if, that, if that's enough. He's like, yeah, that should be enough for like, like four cases of mead so i'm like okay yeah yeah cool so i'm doing that and uh so that'll be cool and he's like award-winning so uh i'm 
you know, interested to see how that comes out. I don't, I'm not usually a mead guy, but it could be interesting. I'm calling it now. When your next harvest comes, I want a jar of honey. Put me sure. down for a jar. Absolutely. Yeah. I want it to say from Tim the Bee Man, and I want your face in a bee suit on it. Like, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's definitely a lot of plans. And I'm also looking at uh, kind of uh, holding a bunch of honey in barrels, like bourbon barrels, to kind of give it that bourbon taste. I thought, I thought that would be interesting. So there's a lot of opportunities coming out. I don't really like do it for honey, but uh, but it's definitely a cool side like effect, I guess. What they say, the devil's hands, the idle hands of the devil's play toy. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. You like that yeah. recovery? That was a good recovery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, I like that. Yeah, I've been, uh, try and keep busy. I, uh, you know, I've picked up some other things here and there, um, but I just try and kind of keep moving. That, I think that's all you can do. You know, if you stay too, you know, not doing anything for too long, you just get restless and you start you know, I don't know, doing whatever, freaking out. So I'm going to ask you, because you might have the answer. Does a teaspoon of honey make it easier to go down? Sure. Yeah. Isn't that the saying? Or did I mess that one up too? I think it's the teaspoon of sugar. But uh, I mean, honey is basically just sugar. So I mean, you can just take honey. Why not? Look, I a didn't... lot of people put honey, <laughs> like a teaspoon of honey in like tea to help sore throats. That's Go to an international house of pancake and just start dumping that stuff all over everybody's pancakes. Right, exactly. Exactly. You'd be like, hey, I'm helping you. <laughs> I'm helping you. You want the blueberry syrup? Let me let me just give you some of this honey. Well, Tim, <laughs> please promote your Instagram page, promote where people can find you. Um, I appreciate you for doing the podcast, brother. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, I'm it's just plum tree apiaries right now. Um nothing nothing crazy it's just on instagram uh you like to see photos of bees and flowers and stuff that's where i post them and uh yeah no i'm thankful for all the support and uh you know you inviting me on this it was a great opportunity to talk about stuff stay tuned for upcoming bee comic featuring tim the bee man Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you want to visit iTunes or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast, rate, review, subscribe, and even share the show. Helps me out. Leave me a little something like a little message about oregano or Domino's Pizza or how Papa John's is evil. Thanks for checking out Out of the Blank Podcast.